Welcome to Launched. I'm Charlie Chapman, and today I'm excited to bring you the developer behind the day planner app Structured, Leo Melig. Leo, welcome to the show. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, nice. Well, not nice to meet you. Uh, we we got to meet in person uh, in Cupertino this year, didn't we? Oh, yes. Yes. I, I, I don't remember where it was. Was it uh, like one of the bashes or like one of the after? I feel like we, we kept running into each other uh, randomly throughout. Yeah. San Jose isn't that big of a town. And so I'm pretty sure I was just walking home a couple times and just saw you uh, on a patio somewhere. Yeah. But we didn't we didn't get a whole lot of time to spend together, but we at least got to meet. No. So, so so many interesting and great people that you know online and then it's all like you meet you meet them for like a half an hour and you talk and then like the week is over again exactly yeah i i'm really excited about this one too because you're somebody who correct me if i'm wrong but it doesn't seem like you were super present in like the sort of twitter sphere for a long time and so i didn't i didn't really know about structured or anything and somebody a little bit earlier this year was like, hey, you need to like check out this app and check out this guy. And so I kind of started looking and then all of a sudden I feel like you were everywhere and then I met you in person, but I don't really know your whole backstory. So this is going to be a, a learning episode for me as well. Okay, nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not that active. Like I'm, I'm not active on Twitter anymore, but uh, also not that active on Mastodon. Like I, 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 I'm reading Mastodon and I, I used to read Twitter like daily, but uh, I, I'm bad at like continually sharing what what I do, which You're is just like sticking with Live I, Journal uh, and kind of staying there. <laughs> I, I I wish I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like I I, I like and now and then I share something if there there's something that's interesting, but then I forget about it again for like half a year and there's nothing, and then like I share like one code snippet and someone comes up to me and like oh that was a bug I was like fighting for half a year, <laughs> and then I'm oh I, I already had that lying around I should share it more, but uh, yeah I always keep forgetting about it. Well, from what I've gathered, uh, you've built something kind of impressive uh, with Structured. But before we get into Structured itself, I want to give everybody an introduction, including me, into who you are. So the three questions I always ask to kick things off here is, where are you from? Do you have a formal education related to what you do? And then we can talk about your career that kind of led up to Structured. Sure. So I'm from originally from the south of Germany. Uh, I do live in Berlin now, uh, which is in the north of Germany. Uh, so that's that was my big move. Uh, I moved here when I uh, went to university uh, around five, six years ago. There I studied uh, computer science. I haven't officially finished yet. Uh, so <laughs> I'm officially still a student, but I did my last exam uh, about like half one and a half years ago. You just really want to hold on to that educational uh, creative cloud uh, license, right? Exactly. GitHub <laughs> is a big one. GitHub is a big one. Uh, for me, it's just like I still have to do my bachelor thesis, but right now I have like a ton of other stuff to do. I hope to at some point like maybe combine my app with doing a bachelor thesis ah, because yeah. that's then already something I'm like invested into. But yeah, that's uh, that's on the uh, on the plate for like maybe next year or the year after. For how how I got into programming, it's started like around i think when i was like 14 or 15 uh i started like learning objective c and 
then basically stayed on Apple platforms from there. I got a, a scholarship in 2015, which like really kicked things off and then like worked at like local companies now and then as a working student. When I came to Berlin, I worked at uh, two iOS companies, uh, more as a product designer slash product manager, but also mm. still coding a bit. And then since around like one and a half years ago, I went full-time indie while still being a student, but uh, I've already talked about that. That's not too much work. Uh, so I'm full-time indie for one and a half years now. Okay, so you went full-time indie. Does that mean you started Structured and just went straight into being full-time indie or was Structured... Like, where does that come into play here? Was there other apps first? I built one app, which I published and now removed from the store, which was like... Uh, it did it, it, it like fetched all your telegram messages because they had an api and would oh. like display like certain statistics about that that didn't go anywhere it was like a nice exercise uh, yeah. i learned a lot with that i it took me way too long to build it i think it like took like one year from starting working on it to launching it which is way too long uh so then yeah, but just, I mean, just getting something into the store and going through all those motions is such yeah. a, it's such an ordeal. Like, it's funny because once you've done it once, it doesn't feel like a big thing. But that first time, yeah. every single one of those decisions is hours of Googling and trying to figure out, like, what's the right play here? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so yeah, just having gone through it literally one time, I think, is a big hurdle. Yeah. And I was really lucky because I worked at a company that, where their primary product wasn't an iOS app and was basically me and another guy that was like working on the iOS and Android app. Mm. So we had to handle everything around Apple, like yeah. uh, around App Store Connect, the App Store app review. So I had done this before, but of course, like doing it for your own app where you can't like just run to your legal department and <laughs> ask like, yeah. which box should I check there? Like that's, that's a whole different story. Okay, so you had your own app but it didn't go anywhere i'm guessing that yeah. was not whenever you uh you went full indie as you said no no that was way before that was i think in 2019 i actually published it when i when i was in uh san jose for for dubbed up oh nice so i went like I, because every review again like of course it, like on the first review they always have something to complain so i booked a lab with every review and like showed it to them and then the next time it went through i don't know if that's related but <laughs> it's a good play yeah it only works a very very specific time of the year but uh <laughs> if you can make it that's work <laughs> of course uh that, that's a nice thing if you can actually talk to them but no, uh, after that, I kept like working at, uh, at like an iOS company and kept getting more into product design uh, as well. Like I wasn't a designer at all before. Mm. I, like I could develop iOS apps. I think most iOS developers have like a bit like uh, an idea of what good design looks like, uh, but yeah. it's then always hard to reproduce it. So that's where I learned a lot of that, like learned uh, Sketch and Figma. And then in uh, end, like end of 2019, uh, more to like play around with Swift UI, which was quite new back then. Yeah, that was I, when it came out. Like, yeah. Exactly. I, I started like building this day planning app. Uh, so I just had the idea of like building like a very simple calendar like day planner, which like combines tasks. I saw a bunch of my 
fellow students like write down their tasks during like study period like I'll, for example like i'll study math from 10 to 12 then i'll do like an hour of lunch and then i'll do two hours of uh psychology or something like that and then like i think the thing that clicked for me was that they would cross it off like they would put a check mark behind it uh, after they mm. were done and i thought okay that's not something a calendar app can do yeah exactly but and so I looked for I looked for an app like that on the App Store, and surprisingly, I didn't find one. Like, uh, at least I didn't find one which was nice enough to use it. Were Were you looking for it for yourself? Like, were Were you yeah. seeing other people do it, and you were like, "Oh, I should do the same thing." Yeah, I, I think I, I I don't remember entirely, but I think I was like looking for it before because I thought like, okay, that that's something nice. I want to do that, but also like with like the idea in my mind oh i could also build something like that so so sort of also hoping not to find anything that's like super nice yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah and then i started like designing and building building the app uh and i think like i i looked that up at some point like from first commit or even like from writing down the idea in my to-do list to publishing it on the app store were like four months or something like that so that was already much better than the year it took for my previous app to be launched yeah wow and that's integrating with a calendar and presumably having to deal with time zones uh and time and all that gnarliness i, I don't I, I don't remember entirely but the, the the first version was very bare bones so yeah. i think calendar integration wasn't even there Okay, so it was the the original one, and I mean, you should definitely go check out the website if you're listening and don't know, because it's kind of it's kind of weird to explain, because it really mm -hmm. is like it almost looks like a calendar app, but then it also looks like yeah. a, a to do app. Like I don't know, it, it's a it's a incredibly crowded space. Yet this one feels yeah. it feels very different than uh, than all the others I've seen. But kind of now you have this sort of vertical timeline view thing as like sort of your main view is that was that in that initial version yeah that like that has almost not changed since the beginning i think okay. that's, and that's like the that's like the unique feature of it like this timeline view uh which like is not linear in time so like one hour is not yeah. always the same length which because otherwise like certain things would be super long and like certain stuff would be way too small. So I think that's like one of the differentiating factors. And then that it like fills up with color, like as the day progresses. And that was like, I, I looked at like some initial sketches I did and like, that was like one of the main ideas from the beginning. So uh, that has kept uh, with the app for, for all the, I think three, three and a half years now. Nice. So Okay, so you had this idea, you or well, you you were kind of looking for the idea because you knew people were doing this manually. Yeah, you didn't see anything like this really on the app store, so you're like, all right, I'm going to build this myself. Sounds like you did some sketches, built it out in about four months, and you put it in the app store. Then, right then, I I just like as soon as it was like somehow usable, I put it in the app store. I think the first version like had like some problems because I was just before I was like adding like localizable strings and those like didn't work correctly. So the like the very first version, like all the strings were like timeline dot button dot add oh, no. or something <laughs> like that. So I immediately pushed the bug fix update and uh, that, then, it, then it properly worked. Yeah. So was there like, 
a marketing push or like a business plan at the beginning? Or was this kind of like, this is another fun thing for me to put out in the store? Was it, was it paid yeah. up front? That's, a, I guess, another question. Uh, it was completely free. Okay. Uh, I didn't have any didn't have any business plan. It was a definitely it, it was like sort of a COVID project mm. uh, because it was launched in April 2020. So I started working on it before COVID, but then like during like initial lockdown in Germany, I had some time to like really work on it yeah. and publish it. I would say like all the marketing I did in the beginning was tweet about it on my Twitter with like 200 followers. So no no marketing push at all really so did it i mean take off was there did you get users pretty quickly and where were they coming from if you did yeah so that was like that was the super surprising thing for me because my app beforehand maybe had like 300 downloads in total or something like that over a few months and then after i launched structured i like i think the first week was already 300 downloads or something like that and i was like that's more people than I know that could have downloaded that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You're like must sitting there like counting up family members and Twitter followers and... Uh... <laughs> exactly. So, and, and then it like every week it kept like increasing. And like at some point I was like at like a few thousand a month, like after like two months. And it was like, I, I don't I don't know where they're coming from. Then looking at App Store Connect, a lot of those came from App Store Search actually. So that's something where I just got super lucky uh so i like i can't say that for sure but what i'm still like thinking is the word like the word day planner wasn't very competitive but uh, was quite yeah. high in volume so i was like pretty soon at least like in the U like in germany and in in the uk i was ranking like first or like third for the word day planner wow yeah that feels like that would be a really competitive word which is like an a, a term that like a lot of people look for obviously yeah. uh so that that of course helped a lot so and then like w with time more downloads you keep like rising in different like for different search terms like then at some point uh i added like a tip jar so like my first like the first money came in which mm -hmm. was like super exciting and then I, I think like like about like half a year after i launched uh, i got my my first featuring from apple which was like mind-blowing yeah yeah that's like that that was amazing and yeah then i think like then the like where it really like took off was new year uh like new year 2021 oh, right yeah you probably get that new year cycle pretty strong don't you yeah like i think everyone that has like an app which has like which is like either in like health and fitness or productivity uh like they will they they will know what i'm talking about like new year is like a big thing you can almost see like how people on the first of january they are still like a bit hungover still recovering <laughs> from their party and then on the second or third like they uh i need to i need to get my life in order uh, i need to like <laughs> I, I need to do sports. I need to like plan plan my year, uh, all my good intentions. Like I need to work on them. So there you like see a real spike in downloads. So that helped like in like in the first that like took the app from like, I think like maybe a thousand or 2000 downloads a month to like 10,000 over uh, like from like one month to the other, which was like, that was super nice. Wow. Yeah, that's wild. Do you see do you see a similar spike at the beginning of the school year or have you 
sort of moved out from that being, well, I say moved out. It, initially, it sounded like that was what you were thinking the target audience was, but maybe it never even was. No, that's still like one of the main target audiences. I I don't see that, like, I, I don't see a spike during the like beginning of the school year, which might be related to like that school starts at a different time everywhere. Oh, it's a lot more feathered than... Yeah, January 1st is the same most everywhere. Yeah. So even like with within Germany, like different parts of Germany have like different first day of school. So yeah. I think like you don't have like this one day where like half the earth is like deciding <laughs> to like get their life in order. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's interesting. So when did when did this start becoming in your mind like this could be my job. Like before you went, I'm, this is my job. I'm going full time with this. Obviously you were making no money at first. And yeah. I assume with tip jars, that still wasn't uh, going to pay your rent. Yeah, it still, it still wasn't much, but I got very lucky that right, like just before new year, I added like a pro plan. So I added like a five, uh, five euros, one-time purchase pro plan. Uh, all existing users got grandfathered. Uh, but that was good timing because that also mean, meant with uh, the increase in downloads, also my revenue like basically yeah. like ten, ten, tenfolded, and uh, that was really the time where I like I like I, I remember calling my dad and asking for his tax accountant because I was like <laughs> I, I, I don't uh -oh. know I don't know how this works. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good problem but to have. Yeah, though. but it still took some time until like I felt comfortable going full time. I, I still stayed at my previous job, uh, like I think for another year or year and a half. So what was the what was the sort of thinking around the pro plan then? You said it was it was lifetime unlock originally. Mm -hmm. um, where did you draw those lines, and how did why did you land on lifetime versus like a subscription at that point? I think at that point it was mainly because it was a lot easier. Uh, yeah. Also, like of course, like. Uh, we are developers, so we like subscriptions, but as a user, you usually don't like subscriptions or you prefer lifetime plans. So I was also coming for, from a place where I was like, I want to use this app to do like all the things that I did at companies, which I might not agree with totally, like data privacy, subscription, yeah. paywall, stuff like that. Uh, like I want to build this app to like not do that. And a, a lot of that was like, of course, like not tracking users, not scamming users, but also like having a fair price, having like a fair uh, free plan and like putting that all in an, in a simple app. So I think in the beginning, I was like, like I said, in the beginning was completely free. So I was very reluctant to like put anything behind a paywall. Yep. Um, so I really only like, I think like the calendar integration uh, and recurring tasks so that you could plan like a task that's happening every every Monday. Mm. And uh, I think notifications that they were behind the paywall initially. Um, and then I've played around a bit with that, like notifications. You can now have like simple notifications if you are not a pro user, but if you want to have like more, like more customized notifications, then you have to upgrade. Okay. How, how has that... Uh business model evolved over time you have you you switched to subscriptions right or no yeah 
Okay, yeah, I switched to subscriptions around a year ago. And like I said before, I was like very like, I, I didn't want to add subscriptions. I know then, that feeling very well. Uh, that was my, yes, that's my I think 2023. You just <laughs> from one-time purchase to, uh, or from paid up front to subscription, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's always, it's always a big step. And for me, I, I think the main thing was like, I was getting like every, every month I got more downloads. And at some point I was like, there aren't that many people that want this app. Yeah. So I felt like I will, I will build this app for another two years maybe. And then just everyone will have it, will have the app. Like I was looking at like the total number of downloads and I'm like, that, that's way more than the number of people that lived in the town where I grew up. Like how many more people <laughs> can actually use this app? Uh, and then I thought, okay, if I, if I now do this, I like, I like around the time I like started like hiring or like working together with friends on it. Uh, so there was like uh, some cost related to, mm -hmm. uh, to like running the app. And I was like, okay, like if I don't do subscriptions now, then everyone will have the app. Everyone that wants to upgrade will have upgraded. I don't want to like put a subscription on someone that has already bought the app at some point. So if I don't do this now, then I won't have a chance in the future. So that's why I like at some point then switch to subscriptions. How did that go? Was it received? Okay. Was it? Did you get that sort of traditional, you know, angry pushback on it? How'd you grandfather people? I, I was prepared to like get like bad reviews and something like that, but it was actually pretty positive. Like I got a few emails saying like, I don't agree. Like I did a blog post like outlining why I switched to subscriptions. Uh, and I got a few emails saying like, I don't agree with that. Like you can also just like build build the app in a way where you say you get like one year of support and like then or you like get this feature set if you upgrade now and if i add new features then you have to buy again uh but of course that's a lot more complex like yeah. i also try to keep things simple um but other than that people were quite nice about it uh i grandfathered like everyone that already had bought the pro plan kept the lifetime pro plan even though of course with subscriptions everything got a lot more expensive i think by that time the pro plan was 10 euros and when i started doing subscriptions the uh one the yearly plan was then 10 euros so the lifetime plan like went up to like 25 or 30 euros which uh, of course is a, is a lot more but for the first two weeks, I kept the yearly, uh, the lifetime plan at 10 euros and like wrote a message oh, below nice. it on the sales page, like saying like limited time offer. Yeah. So every, everyone that like wanted to upgrade it was already using the app. They could still upgrade to the old conditions. So I think that's like something that's like very important to still like give everyone the chance to like get, get the old conditions. Yeah, that's a good way of doing that. I've never thought of that. And presumably too, you know, you're talking about the price increase. Along with this is when the app first came out, it was totally free, but it was also, like you said, pretty bare bones. Like it's a, it was a student yeah. project made in four months, but I'm guessing yeah. you have been adding, I know looking at the app now, there's a lot more than what you described a minute ago. So I'm guessing over that time, you're also adding a lot of value, you know, into the app. Yeah, of course. Then that's also why I like at some point increased the price to, to like, I basically doubled the price at some point because I thought like just looking at other apps, looking at competitors that's that seems fair like if if the value of the app increases then the, the the price increases and of course for everyone that already had upgraded 
they were just lucky or like basically right. they got this for supporting the app so early on so i think that's uh, that's something where i always try to like pick a price that's like relatively fair i didn't do like a lot of price experimentation or something like that it's more like from a feeling like what what is like a fair price that people are willing to pay this episode of launched is brought to you by kaleidoscope the file comparison and merge tool for mac Kaleidoscope's best-in-class merge tool has just gotten a huge productivity boost with Git file history integration. You can now see all revisions made to a particular file and quickly find and select which revisions you want to compare. This is on top of the fantastic three-way and unified merge views, syntax highlighting, themes, text filters, drag-and-drop support, and so much more that makes Kaleidoscope the best way to resolve merge conflicts on the Mac. Now, just to get personal for a second here, I've actually been someone who has always just used Xcode's built-in comparison tool to check my code changes before committing them to Git because it was fine and it was right there. But the new version of Xcode that's currently in beta actually completely messed up my workflow. Uh, so I've actually been hunting around for a replacement. And Kaleidoscope's new Git integrations actually kind of came at a perfect time for me. Now, before I commit, I can pop open my changes in Kaleidoscope right from the terminal and very easily see what I'm changing in a view that perfectly fits my brain. For me, that's Kaleidoscope's fluid view, but there's a couple different views they have, and I recommend trying them out and seeing which one kind of works with your brain the best. So if you're like me and after downloading the new Xcode, you find your workflow is totally messed up, I cannot recommend trying out Kaleidoscope enough. It, it really is a wonderful Mac app just generally um, and specifically for solving merge conflicts. It is just absolutely excellent. Kaleidoscope subscriptions start at $8 a month. And if you bought a license to the previous Kaleidoscope 3, you'll get a special discount on the first year. And launched listeners can get a special offer by entering the coupon code LAUNCHED to get a 10% discount on their first year. That's L-A-U-N-C-H-E-D for a 10% discount on your first year. Thank you so much to Kaleidoscope for sponsoring this episode of Launched. You mentioned earlier uh, bringing on some friends. I my understanding right now is that you you have a team at least in some capacity. Yes. Like walk through the process. You know, you're completely on your own to where you're at now. I'm just curious in terms of the company itself and and employees mm -hmm. or whatever they are at this stage. Yeah. So I think the first big uh, project was like actually founding a company, uh, which is a lot more complex in Germany than I believe in like in some other countries. Uh, I've heard Germany and like uh, paperwork and filing are uh, are sort of legendary. Exactly. So I, I had to like drive to like a notary service, uh, and <laughs> they had to read something to me. That that was a lot. That that was quite complex. But luckily, I had like a tax accountant for that. Like I I, I couldn't imagine like doing it on my own. I know some people do, but uh, that just bores me to death. Like reading through. Uh, <laughs> See, I find, it, I find it scary. That's my biggest yeah, thing. Is yeah, like, same. I'm so scared of doing something wrong and ending up in yeah. jail somehow. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just just by like not responding to a letter or something. Yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. So, but once that was done, I uh, like I was very, I was always very reluctant to take the next step. Like, I was very reluctant to like go full time indie. Like by the time I went full-time indie, I think the app made more than like double or like three times my salary I was making as a working oh, wow. student. So yeah. it like 
economically it didn't make any sense to still stay at that company <laughs> you weren't like, taking a leap was, of faith so much as uh finally letting go of the regular uh job yeah for me it was a, like a lot of the time it was like thinking about like what if i quit now then i like i don't like i work for on my own which like sounds a bit boring also i don't like learn anything from colleagues but the day i quit like i liked the job i was doing before but like i felt such a like such a relief because there were no more meetings uh, <laughs> like i could like if, if if a friend would like text me like do you want to get a coffee like i could always say yes uh which was very nice and then of course that's also like one of the reasons i then like it took me a long time to actually hire someone because then right. of course you can have like very few meetings but you still like have like some like some more responsibility uh, and you you might like have like not fixed working hours or anything but if you like you can't like just disappear for a month or something right. like that every every node in the collaboration web uh is like a multiplier on the amount of time you have yes. to spend in meetings in slack threads whatever it is you want to say it is it's still like overhead yes yes and you have to communicate more like like also like code wise right like everyone that like works on their own project like some other people might be more organized than me but my code had almost zero code comments and yeah. was like everything was in my head of course that's also not good if you're doing it on your own but that was the route i chose and then as soon as people like other people start collaborating collaborating on that code like i was like okay i need to like I, clean this up i can't and, like, imagine some, people like, looking at uh, dark noise no <laughs> i i don't even like looking at it when it's you know uh, a year old from stuff that i've written yeah. i can't imagine letting somebody else see that yes yes but that but the first person that started working with me was like a good friend of mine and that was for customer support because like mm. that was a thing where like i was uh, like i didn't enjoy doing that like i think a lot of people do enjoy doing it a lot of indies like uh getting like emails like feedback most people are super nice uh replying to them but at that point it was like a volume like a level where i would like have to spend like around like two hours a day doing it yeah uh, that's and especially nuts. like i think like the nice thing about being an indie is you can like take like a week off or something like that spontaneously uh and then of course like stuff does not go like your app doesn't move forward but usually things don't like really pile up but those emails stay piled up so if yep. i didn't do it for like a longer weekend then I would come to like 100, 120 emails, which takes you like hours on end. Yeah. Like doing like the same, like answering the same thing, uh, replying again and again. Yeah, you have to do this. You have to do that. And that was like super tiring. Uh, and I'm not the person, I'm not the right person to do that. So uh, like a friend of mine, he was like already like working in that field. And he was also super interested in like doing the social media for Structured which I also don't really enjoy. Like, uh, I'm not a social media guy. So he basically started as a freelancer d doing that. And nice. that was super helpful because then I could focus like on building, like building the app and not like answering emails. I noticed something like looking around your website, you, you also have a nice uh, like help page that has kind of questions that frequently asked questions with answers to them or yeah. whatever. Um, but I noticed you're using something that somehow I had never come across called HelpKit. Yes. That as far as I can tell, it's like 
letting you do all of your support docs in Notion and then it just automatically publishes it to your website? Yes, yes, exactly. So that that is super helpful because like I, I use Notion anyways and yeah. then you just input everything there. Notion has a quite a good editor like with like support for like not markdown but like markdown style editing right. and like putting images in there stuff like that like organizing the stuff a certain way and that service also built by an indie uh just like takes that notion page and parses it in a certain way and then it like transforms that into a into an help center with like search and everything you can like configure tons of stuff uh, you actually like have like feedback integrated into it so i can like see people can like leave feedback at the bottom of the page i can see that feedback uh so that's super helpful because of course like every email that is not sent is better for us and exactly. it's better for the user as well did you find uh adding stuff like that has helped reduce the load a little bit or is the load growing at such a rate that you wouldn't even notice uh <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's hard to say because we like at at first it was like super minimal to help center then like we gradually added more stuff. Uh so it's hard to say if it like if it has reduced the number of emails. Uh we, we certainly still get emails from people that obviously didn't read the help center. Yeah. Uh, even though within the app you don't find a button to contact uh, to contact us you find a button that opens the help center and then at the bottom of the help center you find a button to contact us so they have us. to go through uh the help yeah, center before they still, get there they, yeah. they'd rather like write an email than use a search box but i think uh that's like especially for people that not are not that tech savvy uh, or are not that introverted uh they like writing emails yeah <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, you know, what they're searching for might not necessarily be easy to find or whatever exactly. the reasons are. They, they use different terms, right? So yeah. th that's like the hard part of customer support, like translating the terms that people use outside the company into terms that we use uh, inside the company. And uh, of course, like the people that just like discovered the app like two minutes ago, they don't know what we call like a recurring task or right. something exactly. like that yeah do you how do you go about like adding to and updating those those docs like i remember talking to sean hickman he gave me the idea which i think is probably what a lot of people do of like every time you get a support email look at that as an opportunity for like how could mm -hmm. you have how could you have sent that person through the the help desk funnel instead of ending up in your inbox and either add a doc or tweak your doc with new keywords or whatever yeah. to pick up their terms yeah yeah, we we do that like on a like on a quite regular basis. Uh, like, look at what what are people what are people coming to us with? Like, a lot of the time, the email actually involves just like sending them a link to a help center article. Like, just because like of course it's much better to like point them to like a fully written out help center article than like sending them like a three line email explaining the thing. Um, but then also we update it from time to time. Uh, what is super nice about HelpKit again is you get uh, what people have searched for but did not find an answer to. Uh, so oh, unsuccessful searches. So that's of course like something. Of course, the big ones for us are Android and Windows. Yeah. So then we added like an an FAQ. Is the app also available on Android and Windows? Which is just no, <laughs> right? Or at some point, uh, but, you almost you yeah. almost need to add a. Uh do you want to plus one asking for it so that they don't at least pile in another request? Yes, exactly. No, that's a good idea, though. 
And we'll get to Android in a second because that word is is on your website, but we're not going to get there quite <laughs> yet. Uh, so you added a a freelancer to help with support. Uh, yes. Is is the company right now you and that person, or have you grown no, the team no, since not, then? No, a lot more people. But the, the next person that was that was super interesting because I had a I had a community Slack which wasn't really that active. But uh, I got one person that was always like reporting bugs and reporting them in a way that I could like actually reproduce that. So if you like, if you got uh, if you yes. get support emails or if you get like tweets from people that are like this is this and that is not working, you are always like I can't do anything with this information. Right. I don't know what device you are on. I don't know what you did. And he was like sending me like diagnostics, like logs, everything with it. And then at some point I like did a user interview with him and he kept like sending. So I already knew him a bit and then he kept like sending me bug reports. And at some point I asked him like, what, what, like, what do you do for work? And he was, I'm a student and he was actually a student in my hometown, which was oh, wow. super convenient. And I'm like, I, I was like driving there that weekend anyway. So I said like, like, do you want to meet up and like maybe you, we can like i can pay you to just continue doing like a bit more what you are already doing uh so that was like how i got <laughs> my first qa tester basically wow. and that was super helpful because he yeah, already knew imagine. the app uh like he, i already basically knew that he could do it he's super organized and uh he was already like he, he could just continue doing what he what he was doing anyways because like he was like reporting bugs like crazy anyways uh so that was that was very that was very nice that's interesting i don't i don't usually hear of indies bringing on qa that early but you know the jobs where i've had a qa person on our team it's always like one of the most valuable things you can possibly have uh and it makes it makes the pace of development so much faster because i at least feel so much more comfortable trying something more ambitious when i know mm. When I have a person that I know is going to make my life a little bit of hell uh, afterwards because they will actually catch all the things that I missed. And that level of like safety net. I, I'm, I'm still I'm still always like flickering when I get a message from him. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's the sign of a good <laughs> QA, right? Like <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it must be a I know in inside of companies, it's often not only a thankless job, but a uh, almost actively hostile job because, yeah, you know people uh maybe get mad but the best qas are the ones that are going to stress test the edges and find things because yes. like i said like having that safety net and people will say automated tests are this for them and i've never met an automated test suite that i trusted to catch yeah bugs like yes certain kinds yeah. of bugs but for the most part yeah i don't and really for trust certain stuff it's super hard to write automated exactly tests. Like, yeah I, I wouldn't know. I, I don't have any, but uh, I can imagine like <laughs> like syncing across like different devices and like stuff that goes exactly. wrong with that. Like that's super hard to replicate. Anything Apple uh, framework related. Uh, good luck with that. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and any UI stuff because a lot of times the the bugs that are sometimes really bad bugs like you know totally app breaking bugs aren't mm. logic bugs they're just like this button isn't rendering on the screen anymore right or yeah. or it's super tiny or whatever um yeah. those are the kind and it's at this accessibility setting or at this screen size so having somebody who's uh being a little belligerent trying to find uh those edge cases man that is such a valuable uh, asset to have 
and I also feel like because I'm I'm the one writing the code, I always like I, I'm basically only testing the the paths I've yes. already like gone through in my head, and then I'm also thinking like ah no I don't need to test this again like. <laughs> I didn't touch this, that. I, I, I haven't even touched that part of exactly. the app, so We've this won't break. We've all said that before. <laughs> and yeah, the, the number of times I said like, oh, no, this, is, this is not possible, this was introduced in this in this release. Like, I haven't even touched this. And then I'm like going through, ah, okay, I touched like this function and that's like yep. changing something there. And okay, this is why this bug is happening. Exactly. Yeah, th this, is super, this is super valuable to have like a different person there. That's awesome. All right, so then uh, who else have you brought on then? How big is the team right now? Let's, I guess, just jumping to the end here. Yeah, like it's it's always hard to say because like most people are not full time. Uh, That's fair. And like then there are some freelancers. It's like six to ten people, wow. uh, something like that. Uh, and uh, like part of the team is like some graphic design for like the website uh, and like social media. So I don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and then also an Android developer, uh, web slash backend developer, uh, and now also two part-time iOS developers, uh, which I basically brought on because I was feeling like, like I was like more and more like also doing not like management style work but like business style work like yeah. managing everything around like that comes in uh where i'm the only like I, I, like if, if nobody is there that can do that job i'm probably the one that has to do that job so i was like feeling oh the ios is not going like fast enough i have so many ideas uh i i was also like doing most of the product design work so that's why i hired like uh two people to like also do like bug fixing and now that's like super cool to see because like i can also like code review their stuff they can code review my stuff uh and i can like actually get some feedback to for some code which before that of course you can ask like a friend that's a developer but they don't know the code base that much right. like they you have to like always like explain like each layer over and over again and like now having like two other people that I can like actually get some feedback from that's super helpful. Man, that's crazy. So, I mean, it's, it's like, I guess you said most people are freelancers. Like, do you still consider yourself an indie in your mind? Yes. Yeah. I, like always. <laughs> but <laughs> like for probably a significant <laughs> section of the people listening, they're like, that's not indie. Not because not as a, a yeah. angry thing, but a like, oh my gosh, you're running a company, you know, capital C company, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. But like of course we we've talked a lot about the definition because I, I of course want to be indie. Like yeah. that, that that would be a reason like not to hire more people. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> just to keep the label. <laughs> you don't want to have exactly. to update your uh, bio to say uh, you know, suit, corporate suit person yeah uh, yeah no <laughs> I, I i don't know what the definition is for me it's a lot about like being actually independent right yeah like have not having like any outside investors something like that and also like it feels a lot more like an indie company because like a lot of the people they do it part-time they are working students or like the ios developers they also have like other like side projects uh jake one of the irs developers he does the mastodon client radiant oh uh, nice so I, I think that's like 
uh, where I still I still feel it's indie because it's not like someone's like main job and they are like doing this until retirement. It's more like here I can maybe like like work some like work a bit on this app as well, like earn some money while I'm like also while I'm also having some more time to work on my own projects and yeah. do my own stuff or like study. So this is why it like does not like feel like a company, but of course like at some point at some point it's it's a company and at some point you have to do like company stuff yeah but <laughs> i i still feel like it's an it's an indie app i don't know what the official what the official I have no definition idea what of the, it is yeah I, I feel like it's more of a state of mind you know yeah uh, yeah but i i would say like i think i think in my head it's similar to what you're saying it's like uh it has more to do with the independence nature of it which is yeah. also weird because it doesn't mean you have outside investment there's there's i've worked for companies that are technically still you know family owned or whatever but yeah. they feel like companies right uh yeah. so there's probably a size and like i mean at the end of the day it's just a vague term but i <laughs> i feel like the companies like yours uh in my head still very much fit into the the sort of indie space yeah and for me it's also a lot about a lot about the app yeah what what like what the values of the app are right yeah, i think exactly. most indies won't go down like this hyper growth uh like growth hacking route where they like try to like do like scammy sales pages or scammy facebook ads that get people to download their app i think a lot of indies are more like they want to build a good product and then they'll do some marketing for people to see that product but the primary focus is always that product and I right. feel that's what like that what makes indie apps so good and that's why I always like look for indie apps and uh, like a lot of the friends I have that build indie apps they like they focus on this kind of stuff so right that's why I want to keep keep being an indie <laughs> that really I think that is probably the in my head where that definition is where that fuzzy line sort of collapses into a more strict line it's like yeah. do the sort of values of the people that run that company or app align with what I define in my head at that moment as what indie means. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that changes over time, right? Uh, but yeah, that probably is. That's why there's some bigger companies, uh, like uh, just to throw a specific one out there, like the One Password. I can't remember the name of the company yeah. that runs One Password. It's like a agile even bits when they were agile like bits, yeah, when they were pretty big, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I still thought of them as sort of an indie shop. And then, oh, okay. although I guess they took on investment, didn't they? Point yeah, being, and then they went into B two B and all, yeah, all and that I, stuff, right? I I want to say I actually love One Password still, so this isn't me begrudging them. But that was when they sort of transitioned in my head from like indie to not. And I don't even know that their yeah. company grew in terms of people. It's just oh, their it grew like significantly. Oh, it did. Okay, they're See, like over. I, I think didn't they're know the over like a hundred people now. And that was around that time. Okay, well that makes sense, yeah. but. I think it had more to do with like their transition of like values. And again, I'm not saying yeah. that begrudgingly. I know there are people that will. Um, I, I don't know. This doesn't need to get into the specifics, but I think they were getting squeezed by, you know, the fact that Apple and Google are kind of baking yeah. this in the stuff and they sort of had to pivot. I, I don't begrudge them for a lot of the decisions they make, except for maybe the Electron app, but we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's really interesting. I, what was I going to say? I was going to say, uh, oh, you talked about uh, marketing. Yeah. 
do you do you do any specific marketing now? I mean, initially it sounded like you were very much taking advantage, maybe uh, un- inadvertently, of uh, mm-hmm. ASO. Um, yeah. Have you spent time refining that? Have you dove into different types of ads or paid acquisition, or what? What are kind of your mm-hmm. approaches to that? Still, if I look at App Store Connect, still like usually like eighty percent of downloads come from uh, App Store search. Which of course does not mean like those are people that like are just randomly searching for a calendar right. or a day planner. Like a lot of people will be searching for the term structured because yep. they've heard it from a friend or they saw it on, on social media. But we still don't do any paid marketing really. Like we've experimented with like some influencer marketing, but at the price point where the app is at and at the conversion rate where it's at, because the free plan is relatively generous it's very hard to get that yeah to be profitable so we are not really doing this also we are in the super lucky position that app store search works very well uh especially in like big markets like the us uh i think like if you search for calendar we are like in like within the top five wow uh, of yeah. that, which of course is like a search term that's like super high volume a lot of those people like they don't stick around uh they, mm. they want a calendar and they are not getting a calendar by downloading structured so right. they won't stick around for that long so right now i feel like just like adding more downloads doesn't really like serve any purpose uh like or like working on like getting like a lot more downloads like with like paid marketing it's like we w- would need to work more and like getting those p- download like converting those downloads into like permanent users or into like pro users that's man that's really interesting like being reliant on search freaks me out a little bit uh after yeah. hearing some of the stories that people have had but i don't i never really thought about it well i have thought about it somewhat but like i i like hearing the framing of uh what does your focus really need to be on right now is it yeah. Where in the funnel, you know, and the let's put our business suits on. Where in the funnel are you? Uh, are you trying to focus? If you have a really, really wide funnel at the beginning, but then it narrows quickly because the conversion rate isn't high, that's yeah. probably a more effective way to to improve things than to focus on just more downloads. How are how are you measuring exactly. all of that? Uh, like, of course, downloads, App Store Connect. Uh, then if it goes like into the app then uh telemetry deck uh, mm, okay. of course like gives a lot of insights there i'm i'm not like looking at the at the data like religiously like i'm not i'm not at that point where i like need to be data driven it's more like when you're making those decisions though right like what you were just saying you you get a lot of downloads from the word calendar i don't know that Th- that's what i was going to ask is like do you know the conversion rate on certain search terms versus others no no that's, i i don't i'm not sure if there is a way to know that i mean i'm i i guarantee you that there is some kind of way uh whether or not that way is in the aforementioned values of an indie uh i'm not sure but yeah i have no doubt that there's probably some way to figure stuff like that out but i think there is i guess i guess maybe not from a search term like that but there is like from ads that you run in apple search ads yeah, I've I've played around with those, but they they never like they never really worked for me. So I stopped doing them because like like I I, I don't particularly like ads 
yeah. uh, myself. <laughs> I also don't like the direction the App Store is heading with ads. Yeah. Uh, so I, I get if like if, if it works for your app, like of course uh, that's nice. More people downloading the app, uh, but like for me, it just was never worth it. Or and then like my. <laughs> My morals, they were like, yeah, probably better not to do it. And if it doesn't work, that's like, of course, a super easy decision. Right. Yeah, that's something that I've been dabbling a little bit recently. Now that I have the subscription app out and I can measure things like yeah. what my actual lifetime value per customer is, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I started playing with a little more. And I think I have a similar problem as what you're describing, probably more so than what you're describing, which is like my conversion rate is low enough and my price is low enough that mm. for me to for a person's you know ad click to be worth it for me uh i'd have to i can only pay a very small amount compared to yeah. somebody else that's has those higher and like yes this is going to turn into a little ad for my company revenue cat now but like we have like an integration where you can see specifically what those conversion rates are specifically yeah. for the ad versus you know normal and like the ads perform yeah. or my ads at least convert worse than somebody who organically downloaded it which makes sense okay but because of that it's like you can't even necessarily just trust your straight conversion rate right because yeah. your conversion rate might be 10 percent or something super high but yeah that might be mostly people who are coming organically and they're actually at 15 percent but you're you know, the ads that you're paying for are actually only converting at 5%. So you're still like losing money on ads if you're paying based on that 10% conversion rate. So yeah, it's really like, it's really tricky to get those right, I think. And it's a really fast way to just spend a lot of money. And and time, like, especially as an indie, you, you have like a very limited time. And I, I feel like the, the big advantage like us indies have over big companies, like it's like, of course it's like amazing that like one person or like like a small team can like outcompete big companies like with like 20 or 50 or like 100 people and i think the reason why this is possible is that we have like a very good understanding of how like the apple ecosystem works how the users work and i think our gut feeling often is like is right of course like data-driven decisions can like in some cases be better but they are also like a lot more expensive to obtain yes. and uh, a lot more time consuming to obtain so we might set the right price or like pick the right search terms from the beginning because we know what other apps are doing we've played with so many apps while like some like kid from business school that's vc funded uh, they know all the business, uh, all the business terms. They know how to do like data driven and like analytics, uh, but they they don't really like know like the whole ecosystem and how like everything interplays. They don't know how like right. how to convince Apple to feature you or something like that. Yeah, you might be able to evolve slowly to the best choice through A/B testing and all of these things. Yeah. Uh, but that's like a slow process to get to that point. Or you could have somebody who makes those decisions up front and makes those correct decisions. Now, the tricky part is that person has to be doing the right thing, right? Uh, and, and they might not. And so that, yeah. you know, that's where it's a, a skill and finesse thing uh, that a lot of times you just get lucky too. And then we, we self-select the ones who succeed. And it's like, look, somebody who has this brilliant mind can figure it all out. But it's kind of like, 
you were running an organic evolution process. It's just across a thousand indies. And then that one indie is the one who succeeded. You know what I mean? Yes. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. I, I, my, the thing I've been sort of thinking about lately is, especially like my apps don't have the scale of users that structure does right now. So for me to do real data-driven analysis takes forever anyway, because the mm. amount of time to get to a users that makes it significant yeah. is kind of big. So like what I've been sort of playing with is maybe the better way, like the hybrid approach for an indie is uh, make the call yourself, do it based on a gut, and then mm-hmm. test that to make sure that it doesn't radically hurt you. Yeah. And as long as it's within like, you know, uh, a range of like, okay, it's up 5% or down 5%. You can't really trust that that up or down really makes a difference. Yeah. But it also didn't hurt you th- like 50%, yes. right? So like it, I it can move forward with that. your business. Exactly. Yeah. So it kind of gives you like a, a kind of like what we were talking about with a QA, like a safety net. It's like it lets you take a bigger risk um, mm-hmm. and make sure it doesn't destroy everything, especially with like pricing changes. I think that's yes. that's something that um, I'm thinking about is like you can make one of those risks and it doesn't have to be something you're stuck with and catastrophic. You can test it. Uh, yeah. But you also aren't going to A-B test your way to perfection when you're at a smaller scale like most indies are. And I also feel like, especially with pricing, there is so much more than like optimizing for like the the best like what is the term like customer lifetime value or something like that oh yeah yeah like maybe maybe i would make more money if the app would be like three times more expensive like per customer but then also the conversion rate of course would be a lot lower which would mean like less people like using the pro version which means less people like really enjoying the app less people telling their friends about the app and which maybe then even might hurts your just, ASO and yeah exactly and leads to fewer downloads so I think a lot of this is like also you can like of course like optimize for like one metric but at the same time you might like be hurting like 10 other metrics like up the funnel and you don't even notice because like of course like stuff around like each test changes yeah. so that's why I always feel like data-driven decisions are, of course, good in certain in certain conditions. But like for us, I think the big benefit is that we can usually trust our gut, and we don't need to like convince a board of like directors exactly. or like investors that this decision is right. We can just try it, and if we see numbers going down, we can like revert it, or we can like run a quick test or something like that. I think having an army of analysts who full really understand these optimization things a lot of times that's just giving the ceo that's you know captaining the ship of a company a bunch of levers and like yeah. they can try to guide the ship the best that they can but then if there's a moment if there's an iceberg up ahead uh because there's a quarterly investment meeting or a hostile takeover <laughs> or whatever they need and they're like we need to juice this number those levers are ready like i think that it's like yeah. it makes sense but yeah you don't have a quarterly you know investment meetings or no. uh, hostile takeovers or any of these types of things. So you can make longer term decisions and live with a little bit more of a volatile business um, yes. because you're smaller and you don't have, you know, a thousand employees and a board and a whole bunch of things that you're, you know, you're answering to. Exactly. Um, so we talked about it a couple times, uh, but Android. So your website says, uh, join the Android beta waitlist. 
And then you mentioned that you have an Android uh, freelancer or an Android developer uh, in your yeah. midst right now. So what's what's the story there and how's that going? Yeah, so I, like I think, of course, like at a certain point, it's it's also nice to like give the app to other people. Uh, like I have a lot of friends that use Android that can't use my app that won't that want to use my app, uh, and then also. If we do an Instagram post, the first comment is not like, oh, that's a nice feature or that's a, that's a nice post. Like the first comment is always when when Android. Uh, <laughs> Classic. And like, of course, that's like super annoying because that's some like you want people to engage with you like based on your app and not just yeah. ask when is an Android version out, but also that like shows there are people that want to use the app but can't use the app because they don't have like an Apple device. Of course, I prefer Apple devices. Like uh, I, I use them for everything, and I can't use an Android phone. I bought an Android phone when I started, like when right. we started working on the app. Like I, I can't use it. Uh, but there are people that either want to use an Android device or have to use an Android device because they can't afford an iPhone. Uh, and I think there, it's like very fair to like also at some point work on that, uh, because otherwise you're just like leaving out. I don't know half. Uh, half the people that can use your app uh so over half probably right probably over half yeah, yeah. Uh, so at some point we like i i started looking for an android freelancer and found one and he started working on like uh like a smaller version of the app basically like we decided like this is like the feature set that a 1.0 needs to have like it's a bit more than what like the iOS 1.0 had, but hmm. like not much. Okay, and, interesting. And like this is like almost done now. TM, uh, like uh, <laughs> we 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 have like we are running a closed beta now, but uh, like I don't know how long it's going to take. Like there's always like roadblocks, right? But uh, then we'll have like at least like a like a functional version and we can see like how many people are then actually using the app because of course a lot of people can always tell you that they want to use the app and then they see the app and realize oh that's actually not for me right like, i thought structured as something entirely else uh so i think like this is the approach i took with the ios app and hopefully it also works with the android app uh but yeah let, let's see i'm i've never i've never done android development really myself uh so i'm glad i have a freelancer for that but i've also never like played around with the play store and right how that works like that's not where like the the indie advantage we talked about earlier i don't have that on android i have no idea no, how it works and it increasingly seems like nobody does like <laughs> the indie platform kind of seems to be the app store you know the place obviously android is exceptionally popular and lots of big apps are are there um but yeah. it doesn't necessarily seem to be the playground for indies in the same way um so i'm always yeah. very curious whenever somebody is is dabbling in it i'm I'm curious about the I, I like the approach of treating it like a smaller separate app i feel like most people's mm -hmm. approach to adding a new platform is like and now it's added onto the family which means it needs to be at the same level as everything else but yeah for android like you said like you have no idea what that world is going to entail is it going to be worth the amount of cost that's going to be to keep up all these new features with um exactly so yeah we, we we'll have to see like 
it, it, it's hard to it's hard to say from the beginning so we're doing like a smaller version and then like probably like continue working on it for a few months uh and then like we'll revisit that topic and see is it is it worth it is it maybe enough to like keep like adding like smaller updates or something like that or do we actually want to like bring it to like feature parity with ios at some point is it so i'm guessing it's not syncing with the uh apple ecosystem versions then right because you're you're using cloudkit for everything right yeah, I'm using CloudKit at the moment, uh, but at the same time, I talked about also having a web slash backend developer. Yeah. Uh, so there we are working on a separate sync, like outside of CloudKit, like also thinking about at some point adding like syncing with Android. Of course, like like that's not like a super common use case, but there are people that have an iPad and an Android phone, I guess, or have a MacBook and an Android phone uh and then also a web app for windows users i don't want to get into windows development <laughs> but having a web app basically is this fallback for every exactly uh, for every other platform so this is something we are working on it's of course a lot more work than initially anticipated so everything yeah, is taking a lot longer who, who would afford that like syncing is hard uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 getting to a point where there's like an end in sight. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Would you consider? You've already talked about you know not liking ads, but uh, given the the big platform difference, especially Android, but web to some degree too, where the the value proposition for a lot of Android users is different, right? They they're not yeah. necessarily as accepting of subscriptions, um, and they're more accepting of ads not even just accepting but like i think there's definitely a preference for give me all the things and put ads in there like that's Mm. i as a user that's what i want because it makes it more accessible to me um is that something you would ever consider Mm, probably not like like you you are talking about ads within the app right oh yeah yeah i'm talking about ads in the like you know google uh ad frameworks or whatever that you have to embed in there with a banner that you know a lot of uh, our community definitely hates yeah yeah of course like and and i hate it as well uh but and and on top of that i think like certain apps it makes sense like i don't know like games or uh like social like yeah social uh, networks maybe maybe not a mess maybe not a mastodon client but like other social media apps yeah uh but like a day planning app like a productivity app the app is meant to not distract you like the app is meant to like give you focus and then and like the whole purpose of ads is to get your focus away from whatever you are doing and onto like the product they are selling yeah uh, and you are selling that focus so that would seem like kind of counterproductive uh i've i've seen other indies i think Hide, he added like fake ads for other indie yeah. apps to his app just to have like one more reason for people to upgrade. upgrade right I, I i like that i think like uh carrot weather also did that at some yes. point i like the idea of that that's like that seems like the indie version of of like doing ads uh, but then it's more about getting people to upgrade than like making money off the ads mm. that's that's an interesting point yeah it kind of makes me think of like nagware uh is that a phrase that's still around where it's like this thing is totally free 
but it's going to annoy every time you open the app, it's going to pop up and annoy you, but it's like, you can still use it and it makes it accessible for more people. Um, but it gives a stronger incentive for the people who can afford it to, to do that. I just, I do think there's something to, especially, especially Android where it's like, it's self-selecting for a, a audience that isn't necessarily making as much money. A lot of them probably students, right? Where it's like paying a subscription for, um, for a planner isn't necessarily something that a lot of students can afford to do. Um, but I guess in your case, you seem to have focused on making that free tier really valuable for a lot of people. Still. Yeah. Yeah. And on, on top of that, like I, I don't like advertise it very prominently, but at the bottom of the sales page, I have this button where you like, I think I call it request scholarship or something like that. And ah. then you get into a form where you can like, enter your email and say like i i like it's too expensive for me i can't afford that then you first like get the option to get a 50 percent discount and then you can say ah still that's still too much and you can get down to like getting the pro version for free uh and i've always had this as soon as i introduced the pro version because i felt bad about adding a pro version and what i of course realized is when they get this email giving them the promo code to get i think now it's like the first year free but they can like re-request it uh i of course asked them to leave a review and who who just received like a free yeah uh, a free upgrade for something is is like sad or like angry about the app and will leave a bad review most people of course will leave a good review which then again helps other people to discover it or they like share it on social media or tell their friends so it makes for a passionate uh organic you know user broadcaster i don't know marketer whatever you want to say uh it's somebody who's going to be with you and you know promote the app uh, among their friends and everything yeah exactly so happy user is, is is always good and if they like who went who goes through that trouble probably wouldn't have upgraded uh either way at, at like may, maybe at some point in the future but then like once the year passes whether they, they get for free they will maybe like upgrade anyways that's my approach too i still get a lot of emails that are like the uh this is going to sound more derogatory than i mean it but they're like sob story kind of emails right they're like i'm in whatever situation yeah. and this is helpful and it's like my gut reaction every single time uh because i'm you know maybe not a great person is to roll my eyes be like "Uh uh-huh sure but it's so little work for me and so little effort for me to just send them a promo code anyway that it's like if one out of a hundred of these people are uh are legitimate and i can legitimately help make their day or whatever it doesn't hurt me this is not the type of person who's probably going to pay for the app anyway and and you don't have any any cost related to 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 a user, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I don't I, have I would, a server. Like, I totally get it if you like if like a user like you have to like pay for some API or something like. Yes. That. Yeah. One. Yeah. Once things start getting tricky with, uh, each user has a cost to you, and it you know there's a bunch of weight that that starts adding, and it yeah you then you yeah. start losing money. But for me and my personal situation, uh, that's not really the case. And even as I do add some things that have recurring costs, they're minimal and per user is so small that um and i don't get that many of these emails if i was getting you know multiple a day or something that would be a different story but but yeah it's like 
a little bit of friction. If you went through the friction of sending an email and respond, and usually I'll respond with something. So it's not like if it was a bot or whatever, then it probably wouldn't even go through that extra step of reading my email and parsing out a promo code or whatever yeah. it is. But yeah, I don't know. I try to do that because yeah, my gut reaction is cynicism, but the intellectual side at least tries to be like, well, at least maybe you can make the world a slightly better place by just doing the thing that takes you so little time. Um, yeah. And of, of course, like, may, like I don't think you're really like losing money on this any, exactly. like, anyways. Right. Like, uh, and f for me, like, of course I can't attribute it to that, but like restructured has always had like more ratings per downloads than like competitors or other apps. And I don't want to get into the whole like what ASO is affected by. Uh, <laughs> I think there is also like a lot of like snake oil uh, yeah. theories out there. So uh, I don't know, but I've heard that ratings are like one factor that affects ASO. Yeah, I think like new so, ratings is one of the bigger weights yeah. supposedly. So if, if that gets you ratings and that gets you better ASO ranks, then that's already worth it. Yep. And like in your case with students, you know, a segment of students become future people in the workplace, right? And so it's like it's like Photoshop, like, you know, uh, cracked mm -hmm. versions of Photoshop or like I don't think I ever had a pirated version of Adobe products, but I certainly took advantage of the student discounts uh, yeah. whenever I was a kid. And like I'm a lifelong Adobe user. And in part, it's because I grew up on that whole platform and I wasn't going to make them the amount of money that it's worth for them uh, back then because I literally couldn't afford it. But because they had yeah. opportunities for me to cut my teeth on their products for cheap, I kind of became a lifelong user. So even in a cynical yeah. take, I think there's there's an advantage to sort of catering to the student crowd if you can find a way to do it. Yeah, definitely. I think that 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 makes sense. All right. Well, uh, I think I think we're we're kind of running out of time here. So uh, before we wrap up, I'll I'll ask you the question I ask everybody before wrapping up the show, which is. Uh, what's a person or people out there that have inspired you that you'd recommend others check out? Yeah, so I think for me, that's definitely Frederick Riedel. I don't know, you probably know him from OneSec, but he has oh, yeah. been doing he has been doing apps for so long. He's also like, I think like one of the record holders for like most stubbed up scholarships. I actually met him while going to my first stubbed up. And, nice. Uh, then we like were in contact now and then, and now like now he lives in Barcelona, but before he used to live in Berlin as well. So we met up a couple of times, and then actually we did an integration like one second structured. They have an integration. We just did that because like we met up at some point just to work uh, a bit, and then he had this idea of like integrating the uh, our two apps. And yeah, I think like he does uh, some very great work with one sec it's like an amazing app it really helps you to like not spend that much time on social media and also he's like he has always been like an indie developer so he has done so yeah. many apps and he has he, he interned at apple he has so many stories to tell so he's definitely someone you should follow wherever you can follow people <laughs> yeah. and also also get his get his app it's it's very good it's very good that's that's a very good one. Oh man, you just reminded me. I uh, I have to re-record the ending to the show because, and I don't even know how I'm going to say. You can follow launched on 
on what? What am I supposed to say? Every yeah. day, the name of the social apps feels like they change and where people are going yeah. to actually be changes. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, <laughs> speaking of it's, uh, it's, social it's apps. It's almost like with podcasts. You, you can get your podcasts wherever, wherever you get yeah, podcasts. Wherever right? you get your social medias. Uh, yeah, the problem is a handle isn't the same everywhere, necessarily. Yeah, uh, yeah. no, that's an interesting idea. Um, and speaking of that, uh, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, I think we we started at the beginning, like saying I'm not I'm not really active on <laughs> on social media. Uh, you can you can follow me on on Mastodon. I think it's uh, Leo Melik at mastodon.social, uh, something like that. Um, you can follow Structured uh, on most social medias, and of course, download Structured on the App Store and soon google play store <laughs> <laughs> awesome well looking forward to seeing uh how all that goes uh thank you so much for joining me i haven't i didn't say it i don't think on the recording but uh while this isn't the first episode back from break this is the first one we've recorded so leo is getting the most rusty version of me that uh that guests ever get and so uh he's done a great job managing me through this episode and so i appreciate that <laughs> yeah thanks for having me Thanks for listening. This episode was edited by Jonathan Ruiz. If you'd like to discuss the show, you can find me on Twitter, Mastodon, Threads, or whatever the social media app of the day is at charliemchapman.me. We'd really appreciate a rating or review on your podcast app of choice. And you can find show notes and more at launchedfm.com. Launched FM.